0: Today's video is brought to you by Wigan*, a modern yet classic-style fairy tale about a dwarf boy who is outcast but adopted by a generous family and whose life takes rather interesting turns. It's, like most fairy tales, relatively short and contains a lot of great moral lessons about the value of generosity, the use of one's wits, and the value of perseverance through hard times, and the rewards that can come to those who follow these principles. It's actually a rather charming fairy tale. When I was approached with this, I wasn't sure what to expect, but frankly, the story was one of those that kind of took me by surprise. It was very enchanting. I found it very enjoyable, despite being a relatively short read. And it's a great thing for, you know, a young reader. It's got short chapters, it's got illustrations, and it even has a glossary in the back for some of the words that younger readers might not be familiar with. So, for example, Cooper, most Modern people probably aren't even aware of what a cooper is, but it's a barrel maker. And so there's a glossary in the back to help out with that kind of stuff. So if you're looking for a great book for a young reader in your home, or a great Christmas gift for such a person, then I highly recommend *Demi* Wiggin. A link to the Amazon page for the story will be in the description below. My Govanen, welcome to the Tolkien Lore Channel. I'm the Tolkien Geek. And... In case you haven't kept up with me on social media or anything like that, you may not know that I have come down with some kind of nasty plague from the depths of Otumno, and I am hopefully on the road to recovery here, but as a result, this is not exactly the video I was necessarily planning to put out this week, but I needed something relatively short, and I've been meaning to do this one for a while anyway, so I thought, you know, now is perfectly good time to do it anyway, so. The topic is comparing The Lord of the Rings to Twelve Angry Men, and I've compared Tolkien to different movies for different reasons in the past, and this may seem like one of the stranger choices, because at first glance it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot to, to compare between a jury room drama in which literally the entire story pretty much plays out in the jury room and is all about a bunch of guys arguing over whether to put a guy to death or not, or, on the other hand, The Lord of the Rings, which is an epic fantasy story. But as it turns out, there's actually quite a lot in common between the two, and this goes back to a video that I put out a while back now, which I think was the one where I talked about the moral landscape of The Lord of the Rings in terms of comparing the book and the movie. And I was in that video talking about the significant difference between how, in the book, the characters are always making fairly deliberate moral choices, and they have to make decisions that are not always easy. And in the movie, on the other hand, meaning Peter Jackson's movies the decision-making tends to be a little more emotionally driven, at least seemingly, and a lot less involved. And on the one hand, you might argue that, well, it's a movie. You have to keep the pace up. You have to move along. You can't spend a lot of the time, you know, just sitting there deliberating about moral choices. And yet, 12 Angry Men is literally a movie all about making moral choices. And the first moral choice made is Henry Fonda's character. I forget if he's labeled juror number eight or juror number whatever, but none of the characters are actually named. Uh, they're all just juror number whatever. And that's who they are in the credits. That's not even how we get to know them. Uh, but the, the point here is they are literally just arguing over whether or not the death, the well, not so much whether to apply the death penalty, that's automatic, but the case that they're presiding over is one in which they have to determine the guilt of, per, of a person who, if found guilty, will be put to death. And Henry Fonda's character makes his first stand by saying, I'm just not quite ready to jump on that boat yet, whereas everybody else in the room is. And the reason this matches up so... Interestingly with the Lord of the Rings is not merely the connection between the moral reasoning. More specifically it also has to do with something else I mentioned in a in another video and I forget which one but it's the idea that Frodo is a um it's a he's a very unique kind of hero and the kind of hero he is is the kind of person whose heroic actions are primarily given to us in the form of, you know, exercising wisdom and using it in specific cases to make decisions. And a lot of that wisdom stems from something Gandalf tells him very early on about Gollum, and of course we all know the famous line, you know, do not be too eager to deal out death and judgment. And one could say that is precisely uh, Henry Fonda's role in the Twelve Angry Men movie, is to be the check on everybody else, and everybody else is too eager to deal out death and judgment. Some of them are not, you know, necessarily biased or anything, they just paid enough attention to feel like they got a gist of it, and they think it's a fairly open and shut case, and they just didn't put a lot of thought into it, and they're just ready to vote and go home. Some of them, though, as the movie progresses, it turns out harbor some pretty nasty prejudices, And there's, you know, a bunch of different stuff going on. And some of it's racial prejudices, some of it is, you know, deep-seated psychological stuff that has to do with fathers and sons, and there's a lot of different things in the 12 Angry Men movie. But the point being, all of this has to kind of come to the fore, and they all have to overcome kind of their own hang-ups and whatnot to eventually come around to Henry Fonda's point of view that You know, there really is a reasonable doubt, and we shouldn't convict this guy. Not because we just shouldn't put a man to death, but just because, you know, legitimately there's a reasonable doubt, and therefore we can't put a man to death on those grounds. Now, the interesting thing about Lord of the Rings is, Frodo, as this kind of character, who is very much like Henry Fonda, is making that kind of decision surprisingly often. So, one of the early cases of this, of course, is when he first meets Gollum, because when they meet Gollum, Sam wants to just tie him up and leave him and let him die. And Frodo's like, no, if we're going to do that, we have to kill him outright. And he's not going to do that either. He says, now that I've seen him, I do pity him. And so he's already having to make choices about who to save and why to save him and that kind of a thing. So he saves Gollum and he does it, you know, based in part on what Gandalf tells him earlier in the book, and also partially on what he sees in front of his face, he intervenes again when it comes to Faramir, and makes sure that Faramir doesn't kill him, basically, you know, to make sure that, A, he can uphold his agreement with Gollum, which he feels bound by, but also because, you know, he's following through that same idea of, you know, there's there's a... that has to happen here and that's got to happen between me and him and even though what he's done may be deserving of death by Gondorian law you know that's he's in my charge and I need to be responsible for him so you know please don't kill him so he saves Gollum at least twice just on those grounds alone and then as time goes on we see more and more decisions kind of like this, especially when we get to the Shire and the Scouring of the Shire chapter, because in the Scouring of the Shire, Frodo's primary role is to keep the hobbits from overreacting to the absolutely terrible stuff that's happened to them in the past year, thanks to Saruman and his lackeys and everything else. And his primary goal really is to make sure that they don't just start killing people willy-nilly and one of the things that he says is you know we've never you know there's never been a hobbit kill another hobbit on purpose in the shire and we're not going to start now and you can understand where he's coming from there because there's a certain kind of rubicon element to that it's like once you start crossing that line it's a lot harder to stop than it is to start. <laughs> so, it's, he doesn't want to even countenance the idea of intentionally killing hobbits if they don't have to. And his part of his wisdom is basically saying, you know, we need to at least be willing to forgive enough to not do that. Because once we start killing out of revenge it's all downhill, and it's never going to be the same society again, and he even tries to keep them from killing the men as well, as much as he can, which, obviously, there's a certain extent to which that's not entirely possible. They have a couple of battles with men who were serving Saruman, and as a result, some of those men die, and some of the hobbits die at the hands of the men, too, but that ends up happening just because it's unavoidable, not because there's anything that, you know, Frodo didn't do to prevent it. I mean, at the end of the day, they're either going to have to fight for the Shire or they're not. And if they're not going to fight for it, then they're not going to have it. So, at that level of analysis, Frodo maintains that, that role of trying to keep people from acting out of revenge and from acting on their baser instincts and killing others when it's not strictly necessary in the hopes of preserving something like the innocence of what the Shire was prior to Saruman's arrival. And of course, there's a sense in which it'll never be exactly the same, but he does at least manage to achieve his primary end, which is they don't intentionally kill any other hobbits. And, you know, it it probably helps that Lotho Pimple was already dead because Wormtongue killed him, but the main point here is Frodo is in that role that Henry Fonda is in, in 12 Angry Men, of being the person who is holding everybody back, and he keeps doing it over and over and over and over again, he has to hold back Sam, he has to hold back Faramir, he has to hold back the Shire Hobbits, he is constantly kind of in that role of, you know, don't overreact and don't act out of vengeance or spite or any of these other things. And that goes back to that original lesson from Gandalf, which was, don't be too eager to deal out death and judgment. Notice that Gandalf does not say, you can never kill anybody in judgment. That's not what he says. He says, do not be too eager to deal out death in judgment because being eager to deal out death and judgment that that can be a sign that maybe you're a little bit warped in your own mind and if you're going to be eager to put others to death because of what you feel is their just deserts you know you should have a little more caution about that not be eager to step out there and really put that level of sanction on somebody when you can't know everything. And that's, you know, kind of the whole purpose of the jury system and the whole idea behind the 12 Angry Men is you have to find somebody guilty beyond a reasonable doubt because it's better to let a guilty man go free than to put an innocent man to death. And we don't want to put an innocent man to death if we can help it. And so we put the highest possible burden on making sure that that burden is met. And the 12 Angry Men is a great way of actually you know, kind of exemplifying that process because it does show you how we as people can jump to conclusions or just kind of be swept along by an argument and not really critically think about something and just go along with it and pull the lever, whatever that lever may be, and as a result, do something that probably we shouldn't do. And Frodo and Henry Fonda's character from the 12 Angry Men movie, their role is to be that still small voice saying, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, don't. Don't rush to this. This is not something you can do lightly. And over the course of the 12 Angry Men, Henry Fonda's character brings all these other people around, saying, you know, he gets them all thinking. And the more they get to thinking, the more they realize, you know, you're right. There really is some reasonable doubt here, and therefore we cannot vote to convict. And Frodo is kind of the same thing. He's in that position of constantly holding other people back from taking actions that would be fairly rash. And in most cases, if they took the actions that Frodo was trying to prevent, something rather significant would change in the story. If he had let Sam kill Gollum, either by just tying him up and leaving him or stabbing him or whatever, they would have never made it into Mordor. There's just no way. If he had let Faramir kill him, same deal. If he had let the Shire Hobbits, you know, even think about, you know, killing Lotho Pimple, you know, that, that would have been somewhat of a corrupting thought in their minds and would have made it a little more likely that in the future something else bad like that might happen again. And even Saruman himself, Frodo says, you know, like, here he's he's of an order that we shouldn't even really deal with like he's beyond us we know what he's done is absolutely terrible but he's not our problem he can't hurt us anymore we just let him go and you know at that point it's not so much about protecting the integrity and the innocence of the hobbits it's really more about you know this this is for a higher court than we're even able to hold (laughs) so it's it's kind of a different thing altogether. But it's still in that same vein of we're not going to overstep what what we're really authorized to do in the here and now by whatever, you know, authority they, they may have. Now, would they have the authority to put just a regular hobbit to death if that was necessary? Yes, but according to Frodo, nobody's ever killed another hobbit intentionally in the Shire before, So apparently that's never been necessary, and Saruman gets off because Saruman is kind of a weird special case, so different thing altogether there. But that is why I think it's useful to compare Twelve Angry Men and The Lord of the Rings, because it shows how, even in relatively recent times, I mean, Twelve Angry Men was 1957, but you go back and watch it, and it's still engaging cinema. Like, if you haven't seen it, really, go go back and watch it. It was remade in the 1990s, I think, and I haven't seen that version, so I can't speak to it, but the original is just an absolute classic, and it's worth a watch, for sure. So if you get a chance, definitely go watch it, and you'll be amazed at how a movie that's Basically all in one room with 12 people just talking and arguing about details and moral decisions and things like that can hold your interest. So there's no reason that The Lord of the Rings has to be any different. Now, are you going to be able to cover absolutely everything in The Lord of the Rings? No, I mean, unless you do a, a, a legitimate TV series out of it where you have as much time as you absolutely need to cover everything there's no way to cover every single bit and make all the moral decision making play out the way it does in the book but it's definitely not necessary to cut it all down to emotional stakes and things like that so that's my thoughts on comparing 12 angry men and the lord of the rings hope you enjoyed it as usual, you can check out all my social links and stuff below. I am not going to give much of a send-off here because I can barely talk anymore. So until the next time, I'm the Tolkien Geek, signing out for the Tolkien Lore Channel. Namariye. Thanks to all the channel supporters, especially Elf Friends, P.A. Brew News, Nathan DeFour, Paul Leone, and Ole Gregg.